0: It was a $10,000 mistake. I didn't catch the fact, in our little system of belt and suspenders that we have, that I had bought that the day before, I didn't lock it out the next day, but I didn't catch it until the next quarterly rebalance. It cost us $10,000.
1: Yeah, that was an owie. Welcome to Your Financial Sobriety, a podcast that challenges conventional beliefs about money and life. We're here to talk about the only three relationships in life that really matter, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with money. And they are all tied very closely to one another. If you've ever struggled with any of these relationships at any point in your life, then you're in the right place. I'm Matthew Grishman, co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered just outside San Francisco, California. I'm joined by my business partner and BFF, Jim Gebhardt, who got this party started when he opened the doors of our firm in 2005. Jim and I created Your Financial Sobriety because we want to help a lot of people. We're on a mission to become the most disruptive money influencers of our time. If after listening today, you're able to take one step closer to keeping your money more aligned with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you, then Jim and I just got one step closer to accomplishing our mission.
0: We talked quite a bit in a series of episodes on our favorite touchy feely subject, which is gratitude. Yes. And then we transitioned in talking about vulnerability and really how that's the new strength. That's the 21st 21st century version of showing strength and might from our days growing up in the eighties and nineties is now, your ability to be vulnerable with another person. And again, there's a distinction here. We're not dumping the garbage on their front porch and running. Right. You're being real. You're being real and open and honest with someone. And that that ultimately will accelerate that trust gap that we talk so much about. Those are all concepts that, while they're certainly not exclusive to financial services, I would love to see financial services embrace those three concepts more because they have been life altering for me and our clients. If we think that a
1: relationship with money is a complicated relationship, I think our relationship with people and how we interact with people is even that much more complicated. And for you to help me boil it down to these three very critical kind of key steps, gratitude, vulnerability, and trust, has created a framework for me that's allowed me not only to go back and heal some of the relationships that got banged up from my money choices, but it's allowed me to create new relationships and accelerate quality of those relationships. I mean, these, these are not news weather sports relationships we have. I would imagine the conversation you had with the clients yesterday, I'm sure there was some chit chat as you and I like to call it Swiss custom in the beginning of the meeting, but I would imagine it very quickly transitioned where gratitude, vulnerability, and trust,
0: these three critical steps for this relationship were we're front and center in that conversation. They were front and center with starting with the fact that we were all grateful to be able to be in a conference room together face-to-face. It then very quickly moved to them being extraordinarily vulnerable with their deepest wishes, wants, and fears over aging and having to move and moving to an assisted living community, and that they have had very deep, meaningful conversations with one another on the fact that they really don't want to do that, even though they had a significant deposit down on a wonderful community here in our area. That's got to be a hard spot to be. I mean, when you put money down on that and you're second guessing and wondering if it's right, I, that's got to be really hard. And they got to a place where they had decided and that was part of the reason for the meeting was that they were going to, as I've heard it said, and I think this is a very elegant way of saying it, age in place. Mm. They're going to stay in their home. That then changed the nature of some of the planning conversation around, okay, well, then what do we need to do if we're not getting the home ready to sell? What do we need to do to make the home more comfortable for aging in place? And they didn't have a a wish list or a want list on that. But it just led to a very meaningful, deep, real conversation. And thanks to the trust level in the room, they could share all of that. And we actually had a lot of laughs. We laughed about a lot of stuff before it was all said and done.
1: You've always taught me about this idea of trust, that it's kind of a part A and part B conversation. Within these three key steps of connecting with people and building deep, meaningful relationships, gratitude and vulnerability being steps one and two, this third step of trust is really broken down into two parts. The idea of creating trust and then the idea of keeping trust because creating trust where we eliminate that trust gap up front that could take years to create, but seconds to lose that can evaporate immediately so the idea of creating trust, I've watched you do this over and over. I mean, you, you did this with me the first time I walked in your office. When I came down and told you the story of what happened in the summer of 2005, where I had been on a spending spree, completely blind and unintentional to what was going on, I told you the story of where that left me, where that left my family, where that left me feeling about myself. And then I I cringed and I covered up and I was waiting for you, my dear Catholic friend to whip that white collar of yours around and start wagging your finger at me and and telling me all the the stuff I could have, should have done with my money and how, you know, how, how you could have done this and could have done that, but you, you didn't do that. Instead, you looked at me and you said, brother, I'm, I'm so sorry. That sounds really hard for you and your family. Wait, 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 whoa. What's going on here? What what's happening here? How come I'm not getting criticized? How come how come I'm not getting judged or being told what I did wrong?
0: How's that doing for us on planet Earth right now with all <laughs> the judging that's going on? Oh, man, I, I can't know. go on a social media platform anymore because it's just full of judgment. Yeah.
1: And you earned my trust instantaneously in that moment. It it made me feel like you were somebody I knew for 30 years even though we knew each other for just a couple of months the trust gap was completely eliminated just by those statements of empathy, not sympathy, which, you know, you later told me many moons later about your own experiences with money and how they weren't much different than my experiences. I mean, the the stories were a little different, but you had had just as equally a painful experience with money several times in your life. That was not the time you decided to share sympathy
0: with me, right? Instead you shared empathy when somebody's suffering fill in the blank they're in pain they are suffering the old salt in the wound or rubbing their nose in it as people like to say that's not going to help well that's not going to help and you know what else wouldn't have helped that day if you had
1: just said to me oh i know what that feels like that happened to me recently too let me tell you all about it
0: right no because was you're in pain yeah you're not too open and you, i'm not picking on you and, but in the in the classic sense of when you're in pain it's very difficult to think clearly whether it's about physical what others, pain emotional yeah. pain it's very it's very 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 difficult and you get kind of obsessed i've had knee challenges for the last 3 years and at times i've been really obsessed with it and i could really give a crap about you know, your elbow or your shoulder, because my knee pain is much, to me, that's much more of an issue. So I think if someone, if you're in a situation where someone is sharing heavy-duty, vulnerable information, your ability to just be empathetic, express care and compassion for what they're going through, that to me is kind of neutral. That's my way of just letting them be able to share that There's nothing neutral about that. That sucked me through a wormhole to you of this
1: instantaneous trust where now all of a sudden I felt like I could share anything with you and feel safe. I have never experienced that before.
0: I'm saying neutral in the sense of you're not necessarily going all the way down the rabbit hole with them, and you're also not kind of ignoring the situation and like wondering what you're going to have for lunch. Right, or wondering what you're going to say next. Or wondering what exactly. But it is absolutely an accelerant. To trust. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, you,
1: you did an amazing job with that. And what, you know, here we are 15 years later, and that trust has never been broken. And I believe that trust has never been broken because of this concept of five to thrive that, again, we, we didn't have written down back then. But as we've analyzed this idea of your unique ability, which is, creating trust at lightning fast speed and maintaining it for life. If we were to look back at what's happened in our relationship over the last 15 years, there are five distinct behaviors that you try to honor on a daily basis. Granted, you don't always do these perfectly, but because they're, they're in the front of your mind and you're living by these, this is why the creation of trust has now become the maintenance of trust over the 15, going on 16 years that you and I have been in each other's lives.
0: And I would add that if you have people in your life that you care about, whether they be young or old, but certainly for the young people in this world, I assure you they will have extraordinary success if they follow these five principles. Go ahead, brother. Principle number one. Show up early and prepared. Principle number two. Uh, just I'm letting that one sink in for a second. Yeah. Show up early and prepared. The concept of preparation is one of the most important things that I've learned in the last 15 or 20 years. I'm probably a little bit obsessed with it and you can always tell, Matthew, when you know I'm not prepared, I get a little... Oh, oh you get, get all little, sorts of
1: spilkis and Yeah, I get all and,
0: uh, knotted up. Yeah. But isn't it it's just a beautiful concept that, Because ultimately, if you're early and prepared, you're confident. You're confident, whether it be an examination, whether it be an interview, whether it be an athletic performance, whether it be my physical therapy this morning. How about when you just tell somebody you're
1: going to be there, right? I'm I'm going to meet you here at a specific time. Show up early, show up prepared. Yeah. How do you feel when somebody else shows up
0: late? Well... Does it erode the trust a little bit? They may have a good excuse, but generally, it's an indicator that their time is more valuable than mine. Yeah, come on. It erodes the trust a little bit. And if sure. it continues
1: to happen, it could absolutely destroy the trust. Sure. To the What's point next? that I, I may not make plans with that person because I don't trust that they're actually going to show up on time.
0: Sure. What's next on the list?
1: Say please, thank you, and you're welcome.
0: Oh, Principle boy. number
1: two. Say oh, please. Boy. Say please say thank you say you're welcome i was I, so i was so irritated at my boys the other night because this is something we've been drilling into their heads since they're little kids we went out for dinner for amy's birthday saturday night
0: what a, oh let's just slow that roll right there i mean you went out to dinner we went out to dinner which at, i'm at incredibly a, grateful for at a place that had like choices on a qr scanner like a, like what they used to call a menu? No, they handed us a menu. a
1: scrub. No I, I way. I watched them scrub these things down. We got menus, and, and we got to have a normal dining out experience last wow. Saturday night. Wow, wow, wow. Yes. And when the waitress came over to the table, my oldest boy, Miles, who has always been so good at this. May, maybe it's because we've been out of practice, not going to restaurants, that he missed this one. But the waitress asked him, what would you like for dinner?
0: And he looked at her and said, I'll have the hanger steak. And I kicked him in the shit under the table. (laughs) There's not many buttons that you can press faster with Mr. Matthew Grishman than give me a cheeseburger and a fry. Oh, my Lord. Yes,
1: this is something that, you know, this second five to thrive principle is something that we've really hammered at home with the boys. And I gave him a little kick under the table. He didn't do it again. But then when she asked me what I wanted, I looked up and I said, may I please have your gumbo soup? And may I also please have the half rack of ribs? And Miles looked at me with this little grin on his face and rolled his eyes, and, which is all I needed because he knew he missed out on the opportunity. And that's what's beautiful about all of this is I really didn't get angry with him. I've learned to give myself grace for not being perfect and falling off the horse on these things. And, and that was an opportunity for him to see that, whoops, I forgot one of my five to thrive principles. Next say one. please,
0: say thank you, say you're welcome. All right, what's uh, number three, brother? Next one, I love all of these, but do what you say you're going to do. Do what you say. Do what you say you're going to do. Yep. What would the world be like if we did that? What, if everybody did that? It would be incredible. And frankly, when we get through all five of these, this is the world I want to live in. This is the, this is the world we're, we're trying to create in some respects. But do what you say you're going to do. I was such a yes man for so many years of my life. And I really
1: intended, as everybody asked for my help with things, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll help you with that. Yeah, I can be there for this because I wanted people to like me. And the reality was I wasn't able to do what I said I was going to do because I overextended
0: myself trying to get people to like me. And we've talked a lot about the concept of saying no going back to what we started this episode with, was slowing down to go faster, yeah. right? So before you quickly say, yes, sure, I can help you with that, <laughs> slow it down and think. Think about whether or not you can actually commit to doing that because going back to the concept of trust, so if you go, sure, I can do that, I can do that, sure, I can help you with that, sure, I'll be there for that, but then you ultimately can't, well, what's my trust level, What's my trust relationship like with you when you constantly say yes and you don't follow through? Right. That's going to erode trust just as much as, you know, some big incident. Absolutely. Do what you say you're going to do. Right. Which dovetails nicely into finish what you start. Principle number four, finish what you start. I was
1: so good at starting a thousand different projects. Four years ago in my house, I decided I wanted to sand the entire hand banister that I have. We had this it's ugly a good white
0: seventy-five feet of banister,
1: by oh, the way. This isn't yeah.
0: some little like four foot walkway.
1: No, this was uh, my whole inside of my house, up the stairs, down the hallway. And I didn't like all the white paint that was chipping off. So I came into it with a hand sander and, and spent five days sanding this thing down by hand, and there it sat for nearly four years before I finally finished what I started. Right, And I know that eroded some trust with my family in that I used to be that guy who would always take on all these projects, start all these projects, and then never finish them. And one of the things that I've really been honoring these last seven or eight months that we've been home with this whole COVID experience is that whatever home project I start, I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to move on to another project until I finish it. Like the 29-foot keystone wall I put in my backyard. I started that sucker, looked at the first layer that was laying in the ground, felt a little overwhelmed with the work that was ahead of me, but there was no way I wasn't going to finish that job. And I did, and it felt really good to honor that fourth principle.
0: Well, doesn't it do something to your confidence? It
1: does a lot to my confidence, and it did a lot to the confidence that my family had
0: in me. So that's in the people category. This, this hits all three, so let's just you know take a breather here. Pour yourself a, a glass of tall water if you're listening. So with your people, it improved the trust factor. Yes. What did it do for your own self, your own self-well-being? Oh, it made me feel good. It made yeah. me feel
1: like I loved myself and right. I was proud of myself. Proud of myself. There. And it, yeah. helped, me, it helped me believe in myself that I could, I could maybe do more of this kind of stuff.
0: There we go. And then in the money category, what did it do to uh, build the 29-foot wall yourself there, uh, Bob the Builder? Well, the contractor who offered to do it for me wanted $3,800
1: to do it. And I was able to do it all myself for just under a thousand.
0: There we go. So that's the old trifecta for our friends in the, uh, the horse racing business. And then number five. Number five might actually be my favorite. I know I say this every time, but yes. number five is when you make a mistake, own it and fix it. It's absolutely my favorite. Own it and fix it. Now, in our business, the way we make mistakes is we make trade errors. A trade error is when you were supposed to buy X, but you bought Y. And we had a situation back in April where a client asked me to buy a certain investment, and I bought it. The next day, we were doing quarterly rebalancing, and I didn't catch the fact in our little system of belt and suspenders that we have that I had bought that the day before. I didn't lock it out the next day, but I didn't catch it until the next quarterly rebalance. Yeah, that was an owie. It cost us $10,000. It was a $10,000 mistake. Come on, wasn't that Charles Schwab's fault? (laughs) There was nobody to blame but the guy in the mirror. Yeah. So I wanted to vomit. I caught the mistake, I wanted to vomit and I immediately picked up the phone and I called the client. And I said, "Mrs. Smith, here's what happened. We're going to own it. We're going to own it and fix it." And before the day was over, the trade was reversed and you know, we got an invoice for the $10,000 correction. I wrote a check from our business account to cover that trade error. Where do you think that client's going to go? Are they going to go down the street to XYZ Financial Planning Services?
1: Brother, we've never been fired for making a mistake because of that type of behavior. Because of that fifth principle, we have never lost a client or injured any personal relationship in our life beyond the initial mistake. If anything, every relationship that we've made a mistake in where we've owned it and fixed it, the relationship gets
0: stronger. Undeniably, it is so powerful. And I mean, in the world that we live in today, where everybody just wants to pawn off the personal responsibility, I'm not a negative person, but I can't not talk about this in the context of the world that we're living in today, where everybody wants to push the accountability and responsibility onto somebody else. And whether it be a mistake or whether it but just be a situation in life, it's like, okay, own it. Own your part in it, Right. And that is why I think it is my favorite, because it is ultimately where all of the strength in the relationship can just be absolutely just turned into titanium when you own the And Frankly, the bigger the mistake and the more you own it and fix it. I mean, we have had global leaders that had they owned and fixed their mistakes would have had very different outcomes.
1: Absolutely.
0: Think of professional sports. Think of you name it. I mean, there's so many different areas where if you own and and honor and fix your mistake, you know, it would be, uh, the world would be a different place. So um, obviously we spent a lot of time on five to thrive, but if we- Well, trust is important. Keeping trust is very important. And if we take it back to the concept of children and all the stress that children are under today with at-home learning and the college students and how that's all being thrown off, I just keep reinforcing with our kids five to thrive. Five to Thrive. Show up early and prepared to your Zoom call. Say, please, thank you, and you're welcome. When you raise your hand or you make a commitment to someone else, do what you say you're going to do. Finish what you start. And if you drop the ball for whatever reason, own it and fix it. Awesome.
1: Awesome. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today, here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money.
2: needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.